Welcome to the brand new Truth and Legend podcast. It's a podcast that we've been talking about for quite a while, and it's my partners in crime, Brandon Day, coming to us from where, Brandon? I'm in Denver right now. Denver, Colorado. Colorado. And then we got Eric Youngblood coming to us from where, Eric? I'm at home here in Anchorage, Alaska. Anchorage. And I'm in Anchorage as well. Actually, Eric and I have been out shooting a lot this summer. So we are working collectively on this YouTube channel. And we've been talking about it for how long, guys? A year and a half? At least. Yeah. Forever. And we haven't had a chance yet to get it all put together. But we thought having a companion podcast to work with the YouTube channel would be kind of cool. Um, Brandon and I have both participated on the Wild and Exposed podcast, and this isn't intended to replace that. That'll still go on. At some point, we've taken the summer off, but I think it'll come back. This one is intended to be a companion to our YouTube stuff, and where I guess what it'll do is maybe some behind the scenes, and we can talk about the creating of these YouTube videos once we get the ball rolling. So that's where it all started. I think it's going to end up being a lot like the Wild and Exposed podcast, but we don't necessarily get, we won't necessarily talk about wildlife all the time, maybe just 95% of the time. And the other 5% will be all the other commercial work that we do that actually pays all the bills. Anybody have anything to add to that? I think you got it. The three of us presenting as kind of living our lives through us chasing the, you know, full-time career in this sort of work, uh, video work, other than just kind of hobbyist photography, which is still enjoyable and, and hobbies of our own, um, kind of give you guys some ideas of what we're working on and working through problem-wise and uh, equipment techniques and that sort of thing. Well, what we probably should do, especially with you, Eric, is do like a background <clears throat> yeah. because both of you guys come from very corporate uh, backgrounds, which is kind of cool. I mean, it's like a whole nother life and this is a whole new lifestyle. So, uh, and I'll do it too, just cause there'll be listeners that have no clue about any of the three of us, but if we're getting crossover listeners, then some of them will at least know my background, but why don't you start us off, Eric, and just let everybody know, uh, who you are, what you do, how you got here and why you're sitting in that seat talking to everybody. <laughs> yeah, sure. <clears throat> so I grew up in, uh, Northeast Ohio, and uh, after college, um, I went to school as a, for pharmacy. I've worked as a pharmacist for the last 15 years and um, grew a move from Ohio to Alaska in 2009 just to chase, you know, the outdoor adventure, wildlife, that sort of thing. Purchased my first, you know, mirrorless camera for that move for the road trip and then immediately bought bigger lenses, bigger gear within that first six months probably the first trip to denali pretty much sold it like all right i'm gonna have to get serious with this i've mainly just been enjoying photography as a hobby up until the last you know <laughs> year or so really thinking seriously about how can i um change careers and and find a, a way to get by in the wildlife space mainly because that's what i enjoy the most um so a couple months ago i left my job so I had some time, you know, during the peak of this season um, with the moose and, and bears to really focus on that. And I met Michael a few years ago, 
probably what three years or so now and kind of got the ball rolling with video and and thinking maybe i should do something a little more than just going out and taking pictures uh, started shooting some video didn't really know what to do with it or how to handle it or anything um, by the time the sony a1 came out and i was shooting 10-bit video then i realized oh i can't even edit that in the free software i'm using so going through that learning curve and and now feeling fairly confident in the equipment and the skills um i'm i'm we're gonna make a run for this uh full time um yeah so you're kind of i'm joined in here first podcast <laughs> first time uh trying to to make a living on something other than um pharmacy and very excited to loving every day getting out there putting in you know four to eight mile hikes found out my camera bag is well over 50 pounds now that we're carrying and uh but i wouldn't i could not go sit back at my desk at work at this point <laughs> so let me fill in a couple of blanks there so like eric said i did meet him a couple three years ago i don't know we were we i think we were actually on a moose is either yeah. that or you have a sprinter van too and i was, was google like was googly eyes over it. your sprinter sprinter van in the parking lot or something I think that was it. I think I saw you and I was like, Hey man, can I look in your van? Yep. Not in a creepy way, <laughs> but, um, so fast forward to, then we started shooting together a little bit whenever, you know, we happened to be in the same place, but he had a, a full-time job. So we'd see each other on weekends or whatever. And, and then it was getting to the point where I had a lot of jobs coming in that need needed an assistant or needed someone to, I know what happened. Eric was, I got some camera traps for yep. a job and I used them on that job. But when I showed back up in Alaska, you were playing with camera traps in your backyard. Cause Eric lives on a place where I don't know, what do you have a couple of acres, Eric? Yeah, we have an acre, but there's 20 acres of kind of like a green belt that's surrounded by houses. So it's pretty much untouched with a nice Creek that flows through. So it's a pretty good wildlife corridor. So what he was doing was just setting up cameras in that back area. And then we got into somehow I was like, Hey, you should really learn how to use these camera traps. The, the real camera traps that aren't just a trail camera. And that way, if we get a job, I could just hire you on, but you're going to have to know these upside down and backwards and fix them and, you know, all that jazz turns out we did get a job last year in Montana mm -hmm. and he was able to get the time off of work to go do that. But then this summer I ended up calling him two or three times. Hey, we need someone like tomorrow or we need someone in two days. Can you do it? And you know, obviously that's just not enough time when you're in a real job to get the time off and do it. So it was at that point that he's like, you know what? It's never, yeah. I mean, you can live your whole life working behind a desk. You might as well take a shot. Yeah. I said, I'm never going to be available if I keep working every day. <laughs> so I think it was. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Day. I probably called you five times in the last <laughs> yeah. year. Right. There's been some opportunities that I just finally, I couldn't do it anymore. It boiled over. <laughs> and then that's kind of like the same thing with Brandon. I've actually. And Brandon, why don't you do your story and then we can pontificate on that afterwards. Yeah. So my name's Brandon. I am a year into being a freelancer. Before that, I did 18 years in a corporate job. I was the head of a $5 billion uh, market cap company, or I was the head of investor relations for a $5 billion market cap company. 
I just got tired of going to New York, Chicago, Toronto every quarter. And so we sold the company in August 22. And I said to my wife, Kristen, I said, look, I'm going to go be a full-time photographer and videographer. And she's like, all right, let's do it. And so she was getting ready to go back to work and actually uh, went and became a human resources uh, rep, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't matter. She went into corporate and we kind of flipped roles. So now I'm a stay-at-home full-time freelancer and it's been nonstop since well actually it was a little bit slow there we did our camera traps earlier this year and then late last year michael we were trying to capture that mountain lion on gopros which we were unsuccessful in we got it on the camera traps but unsuccessful on the gopros and actually there's a mountain lion that's been spotted a few times here locally so i might go at your house like just down in the green belt down by the south platte and so there's like three people that have seen it on different days. So I might go to spend a few afternoons down there. But yeah, it's been crazy here the past few months. Just all corporate stuff. I haven't taken up. Well, I took a photo of a hornet, a garter snake, <laughs> and a falcon. So it's been slow on the wildlife front, but <laughs> I can't complain. Well, let me just fill in the blanks on how I met Brandon and how he got into this whole mix too. So last year we were doing the wild and exposed bear trip. And after Brandon quit his job, he actually was like, he got the okay from the family that to go do this bear trip. And, um, I didn't know him at all. I just yeah. knew there was some dude named Brandon coming on the bear trip, met him on the boat. We got to be talking a lot about photography, a lot about where he was going, a lot about what he had done. And I'm like, this dude seems like he's got his head on straight and it might be kind of fun to, to work together. So that's how that whole thing started. And, and then since I split time between Anchorage and Denver, whenever I'm in Denver, then uh, Brandon and I do stuff together. And when I'm up here, then Eric and I do stuff together. So that kind of ties us all together. But Brandon has been on, I do a lot. So for my background, I am, I would say the last three or four years has been mostly wildlife cinematographer for productions like BBC and or production companies like the BBC natural history unit or Netflix or things like that. And, but prior to that, I did maybe half wildlife. And then the other half was corporate video production, which is awesome. Corporate video production is very well-paying jobs and lots of work. Most of the time, if you're out there marketing yourself, so since I took over more of the wildlife stuff over the last three or four years, I've kept a few of those corporate clients. And whenever they call us up, then I basically get Brandon and myself and one other guy, Travis, our editor, and we go do the corporate jobs. So we're still in that game, but just not, I'm just not in there as much as, as I used to be. And what was the last thing that came out? publicly that you can talk about that you shot because there was a big one that i know about that maybe you can highlight so the latest one i think is a show called big beasts and that's on apple tv and it's a that's an episode that is actually on bears but there's a sequence in there with moose and that i shot all the moose stuff in that's in that show and there's a fight right yeah it was an awesome it was awesome I mean, fight 
Eric and I are up here shooting moose right now because it's the season, it's the rut, it's that sort of thing, and it's just something that we do. But that fight that I shot for that particular show, I had shot it like two years ago, and I couldn't talk about it until the actual show came out. And it's amazing. But I've been doing this for like four or five or six years. I don't, I don't even know. Maybe six years. And I've only shot that one fight. That's how rare they are. I mean, I think they happen all the time. But to be in the right place at the right time and the right setting where you're going to actually be able to capture it, it's so infrequent that it's um, it was a pretty special day when we got that stuff. And it's actually pretty cool to see it in the in the sequence itself. Let's get back to the YouTube thing. Brandon came up with this idea earlier. What was it like last? Maybe a year ago this time. And he's Probably like, hey, we should time. do a whole YouTube video on three ways to use a GoPro. And that would be the obvious way, which would be just using it as an action cam, right? And then the second way would be underwater. And then the third way we were thinking would be, if you don't know anything about the GoPro, um, what do they call it? It's a... It's, called it's like a beta control. software. Yeah. yeah, It's a beta software that's made by GoPro. And they have all kinds of cool little things in it. And it's, it's a GoPro thing. So you're not putting some secondary software on your camera. You're putting GoPro software on your camera. But it allows you to use that camera as a camera trap. So Brandon and I thought, man, it'd be super cool to be, for the third way, you would use a GoPro as a camera trap for a predator, which is usually hard to get on camera, you know, just because you see a lot of these things on uh, planet earth or any of these other shows where they show really cool shots of a Siberian tiger or cool shots of wolves or whatever that are really intimate shots. You're not going to get that close to a predator in a wild situation unless you're using camera traps. And so Brandon and I tried for what, four months, yeah, we had brutal. picked out a spot west of Denver where we had private land. We could set up these camera traps, not worried about them getting stolen or messed with. And we were just using the GoPros because that was going to be our thing. We had built big battery boxes to run these cameras for four or five days at a time. And we'd go up every four or five days and change the batteries out. So I think we had to build how many? Six batteries. I think I have boxes. six in my garage right now. Just and we just basically used a car battery. And... Man, we tried hard. And this is a good place for mountain lions. I've actually filmed them filmed them there before with um, trail cameras. But, man, and all the time we did it, we did get lions on the camera. Twice. But it was at night. Right. And we actually had a trail camera next to our GoPros. And the trail camera would take a picture at night. But the GoPros don't work at night for a camera trap. So that whole thing has not been working out so well to get that video done because we never got the third way to do it. But if you fast forward to yesterday, <laughs> so like I said before, we're doing um, moose right now. Eric and I are really hot and heavy, like trying to get the cover the moose rut and get all the behavior. Well, moose do this thing called a rut pit. And it's a somewhat, it's a very interesting mating behavior and what it is, is a male moose will dig a pit with his hooves, right? His front hooves, he's digging in the dirt. And he's scouring up the soil. So it goes from vegetation to just basically raw dirt. He'll move over that dirt and pee in it just a little bit. Then he'll back off and he'll dig more. 
and he might do that five or six times. And then at a certain point, he'll move over the pit that he just keeps digging in and just totally unloads and just pees in it till he's out of pee, right? Then after that, he jumps back and he starts smacking his antlers in it. And what happens is, is that fires these cows off and these cows are like, what is that noise? And then they can smell it. It's a super, it smells like pine salt. It's just this, well, pine salt times 10, right? Or times 100. <laughs> it's just this really pungent smell. but it's what gets the whole thing going in the hormones of these moose. So he does it. And then that brings the cows in. So the point to using a GoPro for something like that is it's a dangerous thing. You do not want to be close to a, how much of these moose weigh, Eric? It's probably what? A thousand pounds, yeah, 1200 pounds over, yeah. on a big bull moose. You just, I mean, we keep our distance. We shoot big long lenses, 60 to 600 sigmas on our cameras so that we don't have to get close to these moose. So I'm thinking, well, the only way I'm going to get any rut pit footage is to set up a GoPro and try to use that. So yesterday I had found this rut pit and I'm like, ah, man, I, and I don't know if they use them over and over or is it one and done or is it both? And I think it's both. So I think there'll be a historical rut pit, which is a place where many bulls over the years have scoured the earth, scoured the soil, done their thing. And I found something that kind of looked like that. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to set up a GoPro camera trap here and we'll let it set here for a couple of days and just see if we luck out. So yesterday I waltzed in there, set up that camera and I was getting ready to leave. And I'm like, and Brandon and I had so many problems. I mean, half the time it worked and half the time it didn't. And it's not necessarily the camera's fault. It's, Probably the nut behind the wheel. I don't know. We had the same setting sometimes. And it wouldn't work. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe yeah, we missed a, an update or something. I don't know. I don't know. We tried everything. And we would sometimes it worked. Sometimes it wasn't going to work. So, after I set it up, I walked away. And I knew all the problems that we had had. So, then I turned around. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go double check it one more time. I'm just going to go poke the screen and make sure it's on and maybe run my hand in front of it just to fire off the, the uh, trigger and just see that the camera does come on. Before I got to that camera, I heard a moose because oh, awesome. they make all these audible noises, right? So it's like a, a whine or a grunt. A, the males will grunt as they're moving and the females will let out this little bitty whine or sometimes it's a really loud whine just saying, you know what, I'm not interested or stay away right now. When they're ready to mate, they'll let the bulls know, but the bulls are ready to mate all the time. So they're constantly in pursuit. It's much like the human race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I heard this noise and I'm like, oh no, I'm right here in the midst of this and I probably shouldn't be. So I quickly retreated because, and I didn't even make it to the camera. I'm like, okay, I'm out of here. I, you know, I can let these moose do whatever they're going to do. And then I'll come back and check it later. So I got, we try to keep 50 yards between us and these moose at all times. Sometimes you can't do it because the trees are so close and it's just, so in those situations, you get as far as way as you can, and then you just protect yourself in amongst these trees. These moose are not after you, but you could certainly become collateral damage pretty easily if you're not paying attention, but they can't run through a big old tree. So as long as you're next to a tree or within the confines of two or three trees, you're probably pretty safe. So I'm sitting there. And I look over and there's a little calf moose 
There's a mama and a baby, a mama and a calf. And they come through. Mama is not interested in this rut pit at all, but somehow that little baby calf is like, huh, what's that smell? And it's smelling the trees and it's smelling all this stuff. And I'm watching it from a distance. And that little calf goes in and lays down in that rut pit. Now, it didn't get the behavior that I was after. It didn't get the whole digging of the pit or anything like that. It just got in there and it just laid down. And it kind of is, you know, it's programmed into these animals that this is something that's used in the mating ritual. So I was like, well, holy moly, did that camera work? I hope it worked. I don't know. I, you know, I couldn't see the camera to know if it turned on or not. How cool. Yeah, it was super cool. But then this little bitty bull comes in and runs that calf out. And I'm like, okay, now I got to go check the camera. But they didn't run far enough away for me to feel comfortable to go in there. So I'm just still sitting in the woods. I'm just sitting there waiting. I'm like, God, could it be that we actually got a shot, right? Like 10 minutes after I set up the camera and all by accident or all by serendipity. (laughs) So I um, stayed off in the back or stayed away from the camera and I just kept watching. Well, those moose didn't leave. So this mama was not interested in these two little bulls at all but she didn't leave the site. So I still couldn't go check. I could see these two bulls and they were clinking antlers, but I couldn't shoot any of this with my big camera because you're just in these tight confines with all the, the trees and stuff, but I'm sitting there watching it. And then I see mama and the baby just eating off to the side. And out of nowhere, the baby goes right back to the, the calf moose goes right back to the rut pit. How interesting. And, yeah. Lays in it again. And then, Mama actually walks over and she gets, she doesn't get in the rut pit, but she kind of is looking down at the baby who's laying in this pit. And I'm like, oh my gosh, hopefully that camera's still running. I don't know if it is or not, but if it is, this could be a gold mine, right? So then this bull moose comes up behind, is still in pursuit of this cow, this mama moose, and he pushes them out. Then he proceeds to get in the rut pit and he dug it out a little bit. He didn't do, you know, big digging. He just did a little bit and then he laid right in it. And I'm like, mind blown kind of stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh. So how long has this been? So you're just using the little GoPro battery? No. So I had put, so we use V-mount batteries for all of our cameras. We all use them. And it has a little port for the USB. So I had put that in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's probably... I don't know, maybe 10 minutes of action that's been in front of the camera or maybe 20 minutes. I don't even know um, because it was all happening right in front of my eyes. And you know how when things are cool like right. that, you just time goes by like that. So finally, finally, these moose move off and I'm like dying to go look at this camera, but I'm still kind of leery because they'd moved off, but who knows where and how far. And so I waited a little bit longer and after maybe another 30 minutes, I went over there and I'm just totally expecting what you and I ended up with, Brandon. It's like, <laughs> go look at the back of the camera and there's nothing, right? Nothing happened. Nothing yeah. happened. Yeah. And I did. I flipped the little, you know, you swipe up to look at the videos. I swiped yep. up and I'm not seeing nothing. Then I try to hit the little icons that make it show all the different frames, the video that it shot or all yep. the different segments that it shot. And that wouldn't work because my fingers were too fat. So finally, I just started swiping, and sure enough, it captured everything. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it was so cool awesome. to be able to get all that. So now we can put our three ways to use a GoPro, and even though it's not a predator, 
it is a situation where you do not want to be there in, with the real camera right. trying to capture. It's just way too dangerous. That is so cool. Okay, yeah. so walk me through the setup. So you used a V mount. Which is uh, 100, is that what you're using? 150, something like that? A 150. Mm -hmm. Okay, so 150, so you're probably good for half a day? Uh, we used these in Montana. Eric and I yeah, used them Yeah, we had Montana. these mounted on fence lines in Montana, and we would just use a, you know, like a clamp or something to attach it to a post, and then just run a USB cable down into a Ziploc to keep the V-mount dry. And dry. I, I think we had them two, three days in, and they were still running. So awesome. we're actually okay, going to... So yeah, after we record this, we're going to try and get back up there tonight. Just we got to at least grab that footage and we'll double check right. the batteries. But yeah, I think we should still be running, rolling right now. If we're oh, so the so. camera's still deployed. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I left it there overnight. Okay, risky. Just in the yeah, but with the same, in the with the, nowhere. But the memory card was left in the car. Like uh, what, you, yeah. what you just yeah, told us I is left in the camera. I yeah. should have taken it out. But then I, <laughs> okay. I mess, it was working, so I'm like, if I mess with this and it doesn't work, right? Because we still haven't got the best shot. We still haven't got the big old bull that comes in and does this whole ritual. And when he actually, when I first found found that rut pit, the only way I found it is I heard him. He was stomping on the ground and digging and. And then when he starts smacking his antlers against this, you know, what he's trying to do is just cover himself in the smell, which gets those females going. And when he's smacking that, that puddle of pee and dirt and with his answer, with his antlers, it, it makes this really big smacking sound. And that's what bring these cow, brings the cows in. So we still haven't got that. And that's probably the main thing that we want to get. So that's why we left it there. And hopefully it's a historical pit that he'll use time and time again, anytime he wants to get the attention of the cows. Right. So I basically took a, a Mayfer clamp. Yep. And then I had an arm. I was originally going to use a, a magic arm. Yep. But I had lent it to Eric the day before. Okay. So, and I didn't know if he was going to make it back out in the afternoon. He did. So we would have been fine. But um, I was like, oh, I just got to take some sort of clamp. Because the other cool thing about that pit was there were some dead trees around it because when I do set up these camera traps, I do not alter anything in the forest. Like I am not changing. I'm not breaking branches. I'm not trying to clear a path. I'm always looking for something that I can use without altering anything in the woods. So I just took this clamp and mounted it on a dead tree branch, a dead tree that had a dead branches, mounted the clamp to that and then slung underslung it. And then, got it to where it kind of pointed in the right direction. And then I put the battery in a Ziploc mm -hmm. and tied it to the branch. And Awesome. Now, did you do a new setting or did you use one of our old settings? I was lazy. I actually forgot how to do it. Oh, me too. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you the free, I'd have to go through each screen and I'd no, have I'm to like, look up like, what is exactly. what? Exactly. I'm yeah. like, how does this work again? Well, because I think there's nine different screens of setup, right? Or eight different. It, there's a lot of screens that you have to go through. Yeah. And you're only really up. using a couple of different screens on it. You're using all the settings so you can set your exposure value or compensator. You can set the maximum ISO and the minimum ISO. You can set the white balance. You can set what lens you want it to use, whether it's wide or linear or whatever. Um, there's all kinds of settings. So you're definitely using that screen. But, and then the other screen that you're using is one called motion and you're telling it based on what motion 
you want the camera to activate? Is it low sensitivity, high sensitivity? Um, I can't remember all the other things, but basically all those settings produce a QR code. And once I saw that QR code, I'm like, aha, <laughs> that's what, now I remember. So all you do is you have to preload this software on your camera and it comes up in, in a, your camera works as like a regular camera, no matter what you don't, it doesn't mess with your camera at all. So you can put this software on your camera, on your GoPro. And I think it works with. Well, actually, I have a funny story about that for a, a commercial shoot that we can touch on here in a second. Okay. So I'm guessing it's probably seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 10, 11. I don't think 12. And it works yet. with the max, the old max, the max, not the new one. It works with all kinds of cameras. So you can load that on there. And then all you do is when you make these settings within the QR control software, which is put out by GoPro, it produces a, this QR code. And all you do is show the camera that QR code and you'll see a little check mark come up on the screen as though it knows that it's got all these settings in it. Yeah, Brandon's showing it on his screen right now. So it's, that QR code it just gets shown. And once you're done, once you show it the camera that you're, it's live, it's ready to go. Oh gosh. Well, I was going to ask you a few more. So oh, okay. did you use ND while you're out there or were you just letting it go clear and just let it auto? So the cool thing in Alaska is it's cloudy all the time. So I went without. Because, nice. you know, you and I tried it with ND. We tried it without ND. Um, I just felt like, you know, it's cloudy enough. You can't really get the 180. Right. Because I tried the other day just, I've been doing a lot of walking and talking for our YouTube videos with just a GoPro. And I went in and we're shooting at 24 frames a second. So I went in and set the shutter speed to 148 just to get that 180 degree rule going, just to make it more cinematic. And when I was walking and talking, even when it was cloudy, it was overexposed pretty okay. bad. So I, it's not going to be like perfect. Like hey, I could probably I put mean, like it's... a four, you know, an ND four on there or something. And it would probably be just right. But, but it was then, probably cloudy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And today's cloudy. Yesterday was cloudy. It's supposed to be cloudy for the next week. Awesome. So I was like, you know, it's probably better just to go with nothing. And then uh, GoPro 11 or your eight? This is the nine. Or the nine, okay. Yeah, I just bought an 11, and that's what I've been doing my walking and talking with. Awesome. But now that that all happened, I'm like, oh, I wish I'd had the 11 down there. But it was still 4K, right? Like, Yeah, it's still yeah, it's so like you're 5K good to go. or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, I think it'll be fine. Awesome. But we're going to go pick it up this afternoon. But this to go where we're going is a, what is it, Eric, two miles in or two and a half Yeah, it's a good two miles, two miles out there. But how much elevation, just, too? Hmm. It's, oh, it's stupid. I don't know. It's not a ton. It's, it's like a thousand feet, maybe both yeah. ways. It's just sloppy, muddy trail right now because it's been raining. Overnight it rains almost every day, and then it's either windy or breezy. And then, yeah, just walking through slop. Yeah, this, this trail is – I've never been on this trail when it's this muddy. It's like it's like walking on ice skates. Gross. Or no, it's like walking on ice. And are you guys in muck boots or are you doing hiking boots since it's so gross? Eric and I are just doing hiking boots. And I'm wearing gaiters. Yeah. And then you just, you know, it's just like ginger steps for at least half the trail. You have to gingerly walk so you don't bust your keister. <laughs> and we're both carrying 50-pound packs. So, I mean, you don't really want to fall on your camera that's sitting in your pack either when you are packing your camera. I think today when we go back and check, I'm going to go light. I'm not even going to take my big camera. Yeah. I'm just going to take a... <laughs> what we thought we'd do, the reason we want to go back there today is 
since we got it and we got the one angle, it might be kind of cool to set up a different camera on a lower angle or something a little different. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's probably the whole good. reason for going back. Okay. And to pull that card and put a new one in and get it to work. Okay. So how, let's see, you guys have been doing moose now for a few weeks. What stage are they on? So it's middle of September right now. It's the 16th. Where are they at right now? So they play fighting. You're talking about a rut pit. So are they starting that or are they kind of midway through it? Because they're not the sparring yet, right? Well, well, it's been a weird season, it seems. So, you know, there's only been really kind of one one pool that's acting dominant. He kind of shed velvet early and he's been kind of bossy, um, pushing all the small bulls around. He's hasn't really seemed interested in sparring that I've seen uh, maybe a week or two ago. Um, but yeah, it's, there's not really any other bulls. We've been trying some different approaches, you know, when the conditions aren't great or we had been going, trying some different areas to see. I drove around Anchorage yesterday because the winds were so high in the morning and I couldn't really find anything great in town. But yeah, it's... Oh, really? Historically, I think the the heat of the rut is maybe yet to come, but uh, maybe my inexperience with it all. But um, it just doesn't seem typical so far yeah it's definitely so this place traditionally was an awesome place to film moose and if you talk to the people that shot here 20 30 years ago they're like oh yeah you can walk up and down this valley and see 70 or 80 moose which would have been awesome but when i first started going there maybe six or i think it was six years ago there was always three or four dominant bulls up and down the valley and you really had your choice it's like well today do i want to shoot up in the high alpine and get really pretty tundra fall colors or do I want to go down low where it's a little grassier and more wooded? You really had your choice, but fast forward to this year, it's really all. So it was just a, a bunch of things kind of came together and it's just gotten really bad. So several years, probably three or four years ago, they opened this place up to hunting. And prior to that, it wasn't hunted and it's just a late season. I think they only give out six tags and it's a cat or antlerless. So it could be a bull that's lost its antlers and you could, they could hunt that or it's cows. So they've been doing that for three years and you figure if it's halfway successful, yep. you know, they could potentially have taken out a bunch of the cows. And then those three big dominant bulls that used to be there, none of them are back. One of them died last year in a fight. Yep. One of the other ones that was a, like a rock star up there, really pretty bull, pretty docile. And, you know, you could be your 30, 50 yards away and he's not, he doesn't even pay attention to you. Um, he must've been old age cause he didn't show back up and we Maybe all kind of figured kill. that. Yeah, probably so. Cause last year, uh, the winter was pretty substantial mm-hmm. up here. And then, um, the other bull that used to be around, he usually shows up sometime like about now from anywhere from early September to now, and he's not showed up. So it could be that he's just totally found another spot. You know, we end up, I feel like I know a lot about moose, but every day we're out there and you see this behavior and you're thinking about how much worse it is this year. And there's just not the opportunities. So you're always second guessing everything and you end up with, you can never answer all the questions that we come up with. It's like, wow, did it go to a different spot? Is there a spot, another valley back that is the new rutting spot? 
and for us to go there with our stuff, we'd have to camp and, you know, it'd be like a seven mile trek in there and you couldn't do in and out every day like we do with the three and a half miles or four miles. So it's hard to say what's going on, but um, the stages of the rut, actually, we photograph a lot or film a lot with Moose Man nature photos. So it's Rick and Libby. They've been coming here for seven or eight years. And um, he's like a moose freak show, right? He just, that's all he lives, eats and breathes moose. So the other day he and I were sitting on a glassing point, just using our binoculars to try to find moose in just for Intel, just like, Oh, we might have a potential shoot possibility up in this spot or this spot. And while we were sitting there, I was like, you know what? This guy knows so much about moose. Let's just film a real quick impromptu stage of the stages of the rut video. So that one I got done. Um, Eric colored it all. So that will probably be one of the first moose videos that we put on the YouTube channel. So if anybody's interested in that, just go watch and he'll basically go through, or he does go through the whole stage. So to answer your question right now should be, so it starts out velvet and all the moose are doing is eating, right? They're eating and growing antlers. So they eat, sleep, and that's about it. Right. You can, you can identify the bulls. You can know that they're in these certain areas, but that's not probably where they're going to be during the rut. So then it moves from that to shedding the velvet, which means now they have hard antlers. The antlers have stopped growing and they've become a weapon, but also, uh, what would you call it? Something to impress the ladies. You know, because these cows will look at these bulls and they, of course, they want to mate with the biggest, fittest, strongest bull that they can. Right. It's part of the physique at that point. Yeah. Exactly. So once that happens at that stage, once right after they've shed the velvet, you gen, if there's enough bulls in the area, they'll start clanking antlers and it's more of just a sparring. It's not anything serious and it's just almost even in slow motion. <laughs> then from there, you move into the rut pit stage. So these bulls are trying to gather a harem of cows and you go into that. Then it's probably two weeks of that with the rut pits and cows and bulls all being in the same, same area. Then the females take over and that's they're they're going to tell these bulls it's time. So then you go into that little stage, which doesn't last very long. You know, the, all these, right. these cows get bred very quickly. And that's all by design, nature design, right? They all want to come out at the same time so that you can have your population survive. And, you know, some are going to get taken by bears, some are going to get taken by wolves. But if there's enough little ones out there, some are going to survive. Then after that, um, once the cows have been bred, then it kind of returns back into bull groups and cow groups. And you'll get a little bit of sparring after, after the rut. So the bulls are still kind of, in the zone, you know, they're mm -hmm. still in the, the rut thing, but not terribly bad like they are for like right now. And then, then winter hits and the name of the game for them is just survival. Cool. So we're kind of like, you're, you're probably halfway through then you probably got a few weeks ahead then. I would think oh, so. Yeah. yeah. The, the last part's going to be like the last or first couple of weeks in October. And is the foliage changing up there yet? Or is it still green with all the rain? <laughs> Man, we're full on fall. Oh, really? Yeah, Already? Everything is all colored. Crazy. The, the, 
The tree outside my window right here is all yellow. Crazy. Yeah. I'll put some pictures in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. So that everybody uh, can see it. I had one more for you. It was about... Um... Oh, what do you, so what are you guys shooting? So you're we're primarily video right now, no, photos for like behind the scenes stuff because you've been teasing me with a few photos of on the camera screen and such. But what are you guys carrying up there to get this video? I see an FX6. Is that behind you, Eric? Yeah, yeah. I've got everything on charges real quick since the morning. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I've got uh, FX6 and like Michael said earlier, the Sigma 60 to 600. Okay. Um, so we can kind of, yeah, it's been nice. I had a Tamron 50 to 400 I was using for a little bit. I was trying to go a little bit lighter, but after a week or so of hiking, I feel ready to. <laughs> so I went and grabbed a bigger lens so I could get a little more reach. There's some times where that you could get some nice tight detail shots that I just needed the extra couple hundred millimeters. So yeah, we have those running. You know, we're trying to film the moose activity. The one thing that's been kind of nice is if uh, I see Michael, you know, 20, 30 yards away from me, we're kind of pointed at the same thing, same lens. I can kind of see where his focal length is and I'll try and, you know, go the opposite way if I can try and right. give us a couple angles, a couple variety. But um, yeah, just that and carrying GoPros for some opportunities, trying to film each other so we can show you guys kind of us in action. But we had some pretty good footage too of these moves. So it'd be fun to get that out there. It's hard to pull away from a, a big moose when you're like, all right, I should get whoever focused <laughs> yeah. on this. And you're like, I don't know. I can't do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I end up doing it when there's no moose in front of us. I'll just say, right. I'll tell Eric, hey, just look like you're shooting. It's movie magic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, we're not still, I'm not shooting stills at all, at all, at all. Yeah, the only no. thing I'll shoot a still with to tease you with is of my iPhone. Yeah, Just no. take a picture and just send it to you right away while we're there. Actually, in one of the places we shoot, you still get cell phone signal, which is kind of cool. The other places we shoot, you lose your signal, so you can't can't yeah. share stuff on the spot, but everything is strictly video. The and cool you, thing about the Sony FX6 is that lens, and you guys know more than I do, but that lens just came out yeah. um, for the Sony with the actual Sony yeah, mount what, like a year yeah. ago. Uh, yeah, yeah I don't have that one yet. Think. Yep. So if you're into wildlife and you're shooting Sony and you're shooting video, it's probably the most versatile lens for wides and tights and it's made for the camera is that a f5.6 at the 600 or is that a four five to six three six three okay oh so four five at the the 60 that's yeah. cool yep okay and then michael what are you shooting on so i've been using the v raptor you know, the red v raptor the s35 model which is kind of cool it's a little bit lighter than the helium Mm-hmm. which was the previous version and then the same lens 60 to 600 and we have we're working on an unboxing video too of that that we will have up on the youtube channel as well right yeah <laughs> <Some> Maybe. <point. laughs> yeah brandon and i shot that like last winter when we got the v-raptor when it showed up before we ever even opened it, that was we shot the opening. Yeah, that was of the it. first time you got to and see it. And it's probably really going to suck. So cut us some slack when you watch it. But <laughs> we just were in my little studio in Denver. And we, uh, and I probably sound like the biggest dork because I didn't know anything about it. But it is kind of a cool camera. I actually don't like it as much as the Helium, which is the previous version. 
the biggest thing with wildlife is you want pre-record and on the helium i could go up to 30 seconds pre-record and not worry about it but on this camera it's very limited and they did change the cards they did change the camera it is a much higher resolution sensor so you can't get as much time on the pre-record i think the highest i can get and i have to be shooting really um like 30 frames a second or 24 frames a second is i can maybe get four seconds out of it whoa so you gotta be on your game yeah and the problem with that is when you hit pre-record so it's pre-recording up to four seconds right so if something's gonna happen you're not just wasting footage you know if you're waiting for something to lift its head up or you're waiting for who knows what whatever it is that you're trying to not waste a bunch of digital space with hard drives or your cards or whatever you hit the button and then you just wait but what you got to be super careful about is you when you hit the button to trigger it you don't want to shake the camera because that'll come up in your footage yeah four seconds is not enough for that no i used to when i could go like 10 or 12 seconds i would count i'd be like okay whatever i'm trying to shoot it just happened so i and i knew i had a 10 second or 12 second pre-roll or pre-record i would count in my mind to eight and then i'd hit the button that way i right. knew i would get that action without any shake right and you know i can do it without the shake but there's so many variables if where we shoot right now on that you put the tripod down and it's tundra so it's you can't find i mean anytime i find solid ground because you can in places you'll find a, a pad of gravel here and there i try to set up on that just to get the solid base but more times than not you're just on this really spongy tundra so any little you know you try to do a nice smooth pan it's really difficult any of that kind of stuff you can do it it just takes a lot of concentration and and preparation for it but so you're that's one of the downsides to this new camera is you just can't can't do it or can't pull it off the other thing that makes it really hard is if you're freezing your butt off like we have been for the last couple of days <laughs> when we get out of the truck at the trailhead most mornings over the last week it's been like 38 39 degrees wow so it's already full on you know well into fall so Crazy. you're sitting there shivering and your camera's like your footage is like right well and on that tundra you can't even move your feet because it'll shift the tripod too yeah for sure and then when you're Brutal. like if you're shooting with other people and they don't understand you know that they can't like someone will come over and want to say, Hey, did you see this? And they step right next to one of the legs of your tripod. Right, and then that's, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then are you using pre-record uh, on yours, Eric? Yeah. Or, I guess yeah. it's called pre-cache on the Sony. Yeah. Basically just leaving that running all the time. And are you doing the one interesting thing I've found? Um, I think I've got it right around five seconds. That's about all I've been used to running with. Yeah. Yeah, I might play around with some different things. I've been trying some different settings here and there, and every day I go out and shoot and try something different and find some options that work or things that just don't yeah. work and cause issues. So yeah, one interesting thing that we found was that uh, I've got the Sackler Flowtech uh, legs and those big carbon fiber um, hollow tubes rubbing against the tree sounds a lot like antlers rubbing against a tree, which is not good when they're listening for each other running. So I got to really tiptoe around through the woods so I don't trigger any uh, <laughs> reactions. <laughs> I've been trying to think if I could use some like, I have like this mass loaded vinyl I put on all the walls of my van just to like knock out that tinging noise. And I'm thinking yep. what if I could put some of that on the tripod and just cover it up with some 
uh, tape or something and right. it's shiny silver on the back of it, but, but I haven't done it yet. I've just been a little more conscious about <laughs> getting through the trees, not making too much noise. We found this out the other day because we were sitting there, I, there was a big bull and he was laying down and we were just off at a distance and just watching him and just not, we basically were just going to wait for him to get up, whether it was two hours or 10 minutes or whatever, it just waiting for him to do whatever he's going to do. And Eric was not nearby. He was off, I don't know, 50, 50 yards. Yeah, away I was something. waiting in an opening because I thought I, before he bedded down, he might come out to me. So I was just trying to hedge my bets. So and he opened up his tripod <laughs> and I heard it. And that bull heard it. And that bull jumped up and took off. And I was like, that sounded just like a bull raking its antlers. And so after the whole thing was over, I told Eric, I was like, hey, you might want to be a little, you know, just because I saw it and I knew for sure that that bull was reacting to that sound, you know, because hunters will do that a lot. They'll go yeah, out yeah. and rake antler or rake trees or whatever to draw the attention of a bull. And his tripod sounds just like it. So. How funny. Well, yeah. we, we saw that uh, when I was up there, when we were doing that gray owl. Remember that jacket that I was wearing? It was that Sika. It's that quiet material, but it had that weird like sh -sh sound yep. that it made. And remember that owl, it would just like, I moved just a little bit and that thing honed right in on me. And yep. Yeah. So yeah, they're perceptive things, animals. Yep. Survival of the fittest. That is cool. Yeah. Right, so, so it's been a good time. It's been fun. It's, um, it's so hard this year. I mean, it's just not like it used to be. Um, we're still getting stuff, but it's just a different, you know, and that's to be expected. I mean, you can't, I think one thing I was thinking about, you have a lot of time to think on these hikes when you're hiking in there. Uh, one thing I was thinking about the other day, and I've known this for so many years and back in the days when I shot stills is you just, when you get in a good situation, you just want to maximize it to the full, you know, you never run and say, you know what? I didn't get that this year. I'll get it next year. Yeah. Cause next year it's never, it might the not same. be there. Yeah. yeah. I'm just, I'm keep thinking, you know, we all keep talking about it where, God, remember when, or remember when you could sit up here and have your choice of places to go. And it's not that way at all this year. So just a little like word of wisdom. It's the, the Michael's wisdom of the day. Yeah. Well, take cherish, it for what it's worth, but cherish yeah. the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Overshoot. Do not undershoot. Overshoot. Everything. Yeah. Space is so cheap now, like cards and hard drive space. Oh. Just, do it yeah michael what did you say though you up offloaded footage the other night um what did you have oh this camera is stupid oh i know it's filling up this net i can hear it chunking away right now because it's still thinking about whatever's in there so the the red camera you can have high quality medium quality and low quality well i'm like guy like if you got high quality shoot high quality why not but uh, a two terabyte card is only 40 minutes of footage Whoa at the high quality so yeah. i'm like well that's kind of <laughs> dumb and and two terabytes i mean most people don't go out and shoot two terabytes in two weeks and you can shoot it in 40 minutes so i'm like okay i'll, I'll do a medium quality so at medium quality i only get an hour and five minutes or something like that i don't know exactly what it is but um so last year knowing i was going to shoot all this stuff i'm like i have got to come up with a different solution for footage and being able to access this stuff because you want to do a project and you want to find all this footage that you've got in your archives, you could, it could be spread out over three or four or five different drives. And, you know, on these new computers, you only have like three or four ports. 
and then you can, you know, try getting a, a what do they call it? A dock yeah. that will allow you to do more, but then it's going to slow it down. So then you can't edit. So last year, Brendan and I did a lot of research on the NAS drives. And um, in doing that research, I ended up picking up a drive that was, I don't know, 130 terabytes or something like that. And it had a 10 gigabyte transfer rate. So I'm like, I hope that I could edit right from that drive through the 10 gigabyte um, Ethernet cable. And it turns out you can. But once I did that, then I told Brandon, I was like, you know, we could set this up where we have one folder on the NAS that if you have a NAS, we can keep the same footage on both these drives and it does it seamlessly while we sleep, right? Now it's all um, dependent upon, upon your internet speeds. So if you've got too slow, slow going out of my place and slow going into Brandon's place or vice versa, it's going to be a little bit slower right. or could be slow. And if you're transferring two, three, four, five terabytes, it could take a while, but um, it's proven to be a pretty cool, you know, anytime I shoot anything for our YouTube channel, I have it in a drive that we set up for YouTube and being here in Alaska, it just sits here and chunks away and I can hear it throughout the night just, and it's putting that same footage on Brandon's computer or Brandon's NAS drive down in Colorado. So it's a pretty cool system. Yeah, I'm going to have to upgrade. I only have the two bay set up. I do not have it set up as a RAID. I think you have your setup as a RAID, right? For some yep. redundancy. Yep. I just bought a two bay. It's a, I think it's two sixteens. So I got 32 in total, but I'm going to have to upgrade at some point because I'd like to, now that you confirmed, we can edit off of the NAS with a 10 gig setup. I'll start doing that for my stuff that I'm shooting commercially. Just because right now I'm using all these little hard drives. And so I have just drives everywhere. And then I got Western digital ones. And then I like. Yeah. And then it's like, do I have that backed up? Do I have this? Is that there or is it there? Or Well, and everyone's experienced this for themselves like you go to the the camera right this happened to me last night i was down in colorado springs i had this portrait shoot and i look at the back of the car and i'm like oh no i need some space because i never erase anything and so i'm like okay just take it out i don't know if i've I've backed it up and so i swap out cards and put one in there and it's like the one that i put in there was from our eagles and i'm like did i back this up can I format this? And I'm like, yes, I can format it. And so it's just like that anxiety of like, okay, here we go. And like you hit the format button and then it's like, are you sure? And you're like, I don't know. And I, <laughs> I just couldn't. Do it. And so I finally did it, but it was, it's a struggle. So now imagine having that struggle for yourself with your own assets, but then instead of your assets, it's the clients. And you're right. like, I don't know. Can I format it? And so it's turned into a giant procedure. Like I made myself a checklist just because I don't know. It it was too much anxiety for me. It's it, and it's getting worse. I mean, the the bigger these files get, the more terabytes that you use. You know, I have the NAS and I put everything on the NAS, but I'm still backing up on old traditional, really slow yep. eight terabyte external drives. Yep. Because they're pretty cheap right now. Like I just bought one. It was a fourteen terabyte. I think it was 120 bucks at Best Buy. Right. 
so that's the way to do it. And and the NAS is super fast. And yes, you can edit. Um, you got to use the 10 gigabit. So you got to buy a NAS that has the 10 gigabit uh, card in it. And then with my laptop, I couldn't order a 10 gigabyte port. So then I had to buy an external 10 gigabit something USB-C. I can't even remember what it's called, but it does work and the transfer speed. So the other day I was transferring footage when I got back and I think it was one terabyte out of a card, a red camera card. And if I have my Wi-Fi on, on my computer, it, it defaults to that. Oh. And I didn't notice that, right? So I put in the card and I said, put it on the NAS. And it was immediately, I knew it said, it'll take four hours to copy this terabyte. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, geez. So I hit stop and I erased all the, you know, phantom yep. files on there to get it all fixed. Then I turn off the, the Wi-Fi and I go through the cable. So to transfer that one terabyte over the 10 gigabit was 28 minutes. Holy cow. So that's the difference. Four hours to 28 minutes. That's awesome. Yeah. And you're it's talking well worth it. High resolution, 8K red footage. Yep. Awesome. And I can edit. Now, it's not like seamless. You let it render, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you do something to a file, like if you're going to color it, or if I was, what was I doing the other day? I was doing something to it. Oh, I'm shooting a 17 by 9 aspect ratio. And if I'm on a 4K timeline using the GoPro as the dictator of what this timeline's size is going to be, then 17 by 9 gives you black on the top and the bottom. Mm -hmm. So I just go up like 0.07% and it covers everything. So when I do that, sometimes I have to wait just, I don't know, 5 or 10 seconds before I can yeah. play the footage. But I'm totally fine with that. Can you play color graded footage? Yep. Awesome. I can't color grade anything to save my life. That's what you guys are for, but you can I do mean, it. I mean, I'm not that good at I use all the tools, <laughs> and then I just use my eye, so I'm not using anything scientific. <laughs> Eric's in the process of uh, – Eric's going to be our guy. He's, you know, <laughs> being a pharmacist and being very detail-oriented when it comes to, you know, doing that what you have to do, yeah. I think he's our guy for color. He's like one milligram of red, <laughs> two <laughs> milligrams of green. Uh, we'll see how the test run goes first. <laughs> yeah. So Brandon, what were you saying about? Well, and then you um, got to have a color corrected monitor. Yeah. I was going to ask you, Brandon, you were talking about um, the GoPro issues of, with your corporate thing. What was that about? Oh gosh. Uh, well, two things. So the GoPro, one of the mistakes that Michael and I had when we were doing our remotes was like and i don't even know how it could introduce but at one point in time there was like a timer set remember that michael where we would set it and then it would start counting down from like 30 minutes or it was 60 minutes maybe yeah but there was a timer that was set and it would count down no matter if it was recording or if it was just in like monitoring mode and then we rectified it and we got it fixed. And the way we fixed that is we just built an entire new setting and then scanned it and it seemed to work. Well, I had been messing with it for those eagles. And remember I crawled up on that dead otter and then I placed the GoPro and we used it for the remote when that eagle came in to eat and scavenge on that one otter. Well, 
I hadn't, I haven't touched a GoPro since then, but I got this job <laughs> and I can't, I can talk about the shoot in a little bit, but I can't talk about really, I can't talk about it in detail just cause I'm under NDA for it. Right. But I was at an airport and so everything has to go through the traffic control, which is in the tower when you're up, when you're on this taxiway that I was shooting on and it's an active taxiway. I was running two cameras. It was just me. And then we had GoPros attached to a taxiing airplane. Okay. So lots of moving parts, high stakes, and it's on an active taxiway. So you set up a GoPro. Well, I had two GoPros just because I was like two is one and one is none. Right. So I set up two GoPros and I'm so happy that I did. One of the GoPros retained one of those timer settings where it would shut off after 30 minutes and so at one point in time like i got everything that i needed i ran out there because there was a shot that i needed from the middle of the taxiway so i'm in like bright green i'm on a radio i'm carrying a tripod at the same point in time the little quick release i use the quick release with a arca swiss attachment on the bottom of my fx3 that had come loose so the fx3 falls off so the FX3 is on the taxiway. I'm trying to run to the, the airplane. I get out to the airplane and the GoPro is just off. And <laughs> it's like at the top of the wing, so I can't do anything about it. So I was like, all right, well, the other one's recording, so just send it. And of course, the client's like, hey, did you get that other wing? And I'm like, no, it must have overheated. <laughs> I, I told him, I was like, no, like, here's what happened. He's like, oh, that's okay. Like, we got the other one, right? I was like, yeah. But like, just a bonehead and i'm so like anymore i'm still so good about the night before i'm like all right what am i going to use like set it all up make sure they're like cleared all formatted charged like and that gopro like it was a last minute thing i just threw it in the truck and i was like oh this might be a cool shot and i didn't test it and so i guess my little tip there is if you're going to use something even if you're not planning on using it if it's going to go in your kit you better make sure it's ready to go so that was my mistake by the way the fx3 survived the fall it had a cage on it it's just a little scratched nothing nothing wrong with it but that's a good point i mean it's like go through your stuff I, that stuff happens to me all the time all the time and it's like you're trying to do with today's budgets you don't have 17 assistants running around. You don't even have one assistant in most no. cases. It's you and you've got to manage, you know, up to five, six, seven different cameras on a shoot. Right. And it's just a lot of stuff. There's a lot of moving parts. Even with it, what Eric and I are doing, we're doing GoPros. We're doing, we're trying to do audio. Yep. We're running uh, video cameras <laughs> and it's always something. The other day I was trying to capture Nat sound of these moose. So I try to predict where the animals might go and then I'll run, set up a, a microphone in like on a tree, a bow of an evergreen tree or a spruce tree, set it there and then hit record. I did that like three times and the moose never went the right way. And then it's not, you know, it's got to be fairly close for this microphone to work very well. Right. So yeah, I guess my point is, is it's just, I don't know. I don't know how you can keep up with everything. Well, and I can't like, that's where I'm at. I, I've had so many shoots that I had gone, I had a shoot the night before. And so I just charged up the batteries, 
dumped the footage the night before, swapped out new cards, but because the prior job hadn't been finished, I didn't want to wipe those cards because that's a third place that it's backed up then, right? So I have the hard drive that it's stored on that I'm editing off of, which is an SSD, a old like plug-in, just HD or a, a standard like spinning disc style hard drive. And then if I can keep the sand disc, that's a third place that it's backed up that's not in the same location if the house burns down, right? And so like that's how paranoid I am about this stuff. <laughs> but it's like it's just one of those things like I was going too fast and it bit me. So Yep. And when you're playing in this corporate world, this a lot of things we shoot don't happen twice, right? So you yeah, have like, to make I can't sure get a plane it. to drive down a taxiway again. <laughs> it was so right. much money just to start the plane. So Right. Right. So yeah, you definitely got to have your stuff together and it's, you just doing what you're doing is awesome, right? Cause you are oh, just so much fun working pretty much nonstop all summer long. You've been pretty busy. So yeah, I had grand plans to come up there and do the moose route with you guys. And I was going to come up and get the pikas with you all. And I was like, sorry, Michael, I, I'm not even making it up in September now. Um, right. So it's but, just been brutal, brutal in a good way. Oh yeah, I, I mean, mean you're making money, making money and I'm learning. Like learning a ton. Learning has been you don't know what you don't know and you told me that when you started this. You're like, "Well, you just don't know what you don't know." Cuz I was like, "What do I need to know?" And you're like, "You'll figure it out." <laughs> <laughs> well, and the other thing is like <clears throat> you think you have everything that you need in the beginning and you're like, "I got a camera, I got a microphone, like let's go do some stuff." <laughs> I, like I went to this that's that shoot i had four pelican cases full of junk and like that was no we had no voice so no audio nothing it was just tripods and cameras and clamps and gaff tape and all the stuff that you never think about packing when you're going into the woods and then the very next day i went and i photographed an interview and so we had it was two people talking so i was running two lobs set up which thankfully the FX6 is awesome in that regard. It records six channels of audio with the handle. And so I was running a, uh, a boom mic through an XLR. I was running the lav mics through a transmitter and receiver that plugs into the multi-interface shoe on top. So I was getting both channels there. And then I was running scratch audio just from the internal one. And then I was running a secondary backup uh, shotgun mic on the FX3 from the secondary camera. And it, was, it worked out flawless. But to the same point, like two cameras, audio levels, I'm having to ask all the questions to the interviewer and you don't want, like, this is the worst way to do an interview, right? It's like, so where were you on the night of the 33rd? It's just like, <laughs> dear, because I feel like when people that aren't trained in to speak to cameras, not that any of us are, but like as soon as you put a camera and these, these things aren't small, right? And so you put this camera in front of them and they just like... <laughs> I I am Brandon Day and and I own a store. And it just so you, it's better to offset them right, just talk directly to them. But when you do that, you can't monitor your cameras cuz you're trying to maintain eye contact and it just turns into like a nightmare. And yeah. So I finally broke down and like hired an assistant for this last one that I did. But then that cuts out of the margin and well, I think though, too, that's what you're learning too, is by doing all these jobs is, you know, I think initially you did a lot of stuff where you're like, I just want to get the work. So I'm going to do it fairly cheap. 
Yeah. And then you get plenty of those jobs and then you realize, you know what? I'm just running myself ragged. It. It's not worth it. Uh, if I lose a job because I'm a little bit more expensive, so be it. Yep. But there's going to be the ones that are like, yeah, we get it. We, yep. we get that you want an assistant. We get, you know, and you build the budget in there. And then once you just keep ratcheting up and figuring out the sweet spot where you fall into place and you're able to produce really awesome work and you're also able to not have to think of every possible thing. You got someone there to help out. It just goes so much more smooth and then your stuff gets highlighted more and used more. And right. it's just that building thing. And that's what you went through over the last year is just. Yeah. And I'm that. still building and I don't, I mean, I've been reading on my off time and it's three years of building to get first, if you can even survive because most businesses fail that are small businesses. And then it's three years before most entrepreneurs start making money just because you're putting, and I can attest to that. I'm putting everything back into the business right now, whether it's advertising or equipment. And so it's just a, how long will my wife keep me around while I spend all my money? <laughs> but she, she's awesome and like wildly supportive, but still, I mean, it's just, it's incredible with a family kid, like trying to run a business and, aftercare like there was a a gig that came up they needed a driver and it was like well you're gonna be gone two weeks and we were gonna make it work but i mean you get those calls last minute it's like all right what are you doing in the next two weeks so but well, cool. and what he means by a driver is i had a guy call me and say hey can you go do this and i'm like no no i can't so i said i bet brandon can and he's driven race cars and films a lot of race cars and I was like if you if it involves driving Brandon would be perfect yeah. so but it was I think I called you the day before they wanted you there yeah you were like so you're gonna have to get on tomorrow <laughs> yeah so you're trying and what he was driving was a big gimbal on a truck so it's not like you're just driving right he's got to know what the camera operator that's running this big fancy gimbal is you know he's got to position this camera now you can move that camera fine but if he makes it as easy as possible on the camera operator, then the camera operator is going to be able to focus on what the shot is and not constantly trying to move the ca camera to compensate for what you're doing as a driver. So it was more than just a driver. You're almost like a, a second AC to, right. or an AC to, to do it, but it's involves, you know, maneuvering a vehicle. Well, and then you got clearance issues and cause you don't want to run it into a power line if it's lifted. Like it's just, right. It's just all kinds of stuff. Yeah. It would have been perfect, but that, yeah, it's totally last minute and yeah, everything, a, a lot of these jobs out. are like that. Yeah. A lot of the corporate clients I have are like that too. And you know that cause they'll yeah. call us last minute and say, Hey, can you be in Toledo, right. Ohio tomorrow <laughs> right. at four o'clock? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, anything so, else that we wanted to talk about on this podcast? Uh, I just got one thing. Is that a new hat? <laughs> this Michael? is the one, this is the original one. Oh, that's oh, that was the blue one. Yeah, it's not blue anymore. I have sweat so much in this. I won't wear anything else because I'm like, I'm just gonna ruin it. Every day when we hike out of this place, I am drenched, yeah. and it's been so cold that I'm wearing like long underwear. And I mean, it. It. I don't want to turn it into complain, complain, complain. Right. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's this. I haven't even tried to smell it. I'm sure it's terrible. <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, okay. no, it's uh, it's still the same one. The ones that we ordered in the middle, you know, Eric's wearing that style. Yeah, okay. Because those are all too big, but he's got a big old melon, so it was perfect for him. 
And then the new ones that you just got me that you had sent up here that I still need to pay for those. Um, I didn't want to mess up any one of those. Cause I'm just like, <laughs> no, I, we hike out of this. We call this last hill that we hike out cardiac hill. It sucks, you know, cause when you go out, I always like to do the hiking first. And when you come back, if you could come downhill, it's like, that's yep. perfect. But this is reverse. This is like you hike down to get to where we're going. And then the last thing you do before you get to the head, the trailhead is it's this massive uphill cardiac hill climb. That Brutal. is just no fun. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I think that's it. So I think the next, so the next video will be the moose rat one, right? We'll put up the moose rat one, you know, this whole YouTube thing, I th I was like, man, this is going to be so easy. We're just going to go out and whip out these videos. And I don't know how many you and I have started that have never got completed. And then I thought, okay, well, the moose thing will be easy, right? There's it's like just, five sitting in the NAS right now. Yeah. Yeah. And then I thought, well, daily I'll just do a walking out and say, well, this is what I'm hoping we can get today. And then we'll shoot it. And then um, maybe try to talk to the camera as we're shooting it if time allows. And then as you're hiking out, maybe recap the day and bada boom, bada bing, you got a video. I have failed every day somewhere. I'm starting to edit all these and I'm like, okay, well that's really good for a third of it. <laughs> the, everything else is like terrible. What am I going to do? So then my, 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 uh, my fix is a walk and talk that tells how bad I screwed up. And here's just a mishmash of highlights from the last four or five days. That's how I was going to use it. Cause I don't know anywhere else to tie it all together. And time's just passing by. I mean, I don't know. I think I finally got it to a point where I can do what my plan was, but it's kind of goes with what you're talking about. It's the preparation. It's like how much, you know, when I watch a YouTube video, I want to see, I want to be immersed in it. I want to see the behind the scenes. I want to see the cool footage. I want to see, everything and i just wasn't doing that well but there's a whole thing of like it's still a visual media right where we want to see like a beginning a middle and end and there's so many times when you're done where it's like well that was really cool all right see you later <laughs> or or you say that to yourself and you don't record right, anything. And you don't record it right <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's been the main problem is i don't have anything yeah. and then it'd be like something i'll i'll say to myself okay you forgot to do this the other day. Why don't you just do it on the hike out tonight? And then it's not all here. Yeah. It's like I miss it or I speak about something that I don't have any footage for or, I, you know, it's it's the struggle bus. Okay, last and I, one, and then I'll let you guys go. Best thing you guys have filmed during this moose rut. Ooh. I mean, it, I think that GoPro that you outlined earlier is going to be pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, which sucks because it's not even on the cool camera. This is on a GoPro. I know. But it is going to be like, yeah. The best camera is the one you got with you. Well, and I <laughs> yeah. was. Yeah. Yep. No, I think that's for me. That's it. And it what was total your... luck. I mean, it's all been pretty exciting to be able to not have to go to work Monday through Friday and see day <laughs> after day. <laughs> it's all been one big highlight. I mean, one year. Let me just interject here real quick, yeah. Eric. <laughs> Eric would send me pictures. Like when he was in his job, I'd send him you a would send me pictures. Shot. Yeah. I would send him something from Hollow Bay or whatever, wherever I was shooting. 
and then he would send me a picture of his computer and I've been doing and it would be like i hate my life <laughs> that would be his text yeah yeah yeah, yeah so i did that to me <laughs> yeah. now just seeing the big bulls and them getting fired up and just taking off running i mean it's like you know clydesdale is just tearing through the meadows and chasing each other off that i think that's, that's awesome. stuck with me and then and yeah, you've got some of that filmed yeah yeah definitely been able oh, to man. utilize some autofocus that michael doesn't get to do <laughs> i know but yeah that's been pretty cool just that's to awesome. see that big animal in power and just tearing through there a lot of times they're just chasing off the little bulls they get fired up or the cows are irritating them and they'll run each other off and the cows will fight they'll get pissed at each other and you know they go up and put their front legs and hit each other and we watched a few of those it's those are pretty entertaining moments <laughs> okay yeah that's cool yep. yeah yeah i don't know i mean i think uh i that's another thing it's like do you start these videos i mean you're you're playing against the youtube algorithm right so you got to get people to stick around for 60 seconds or whatever it is to please the algorithm and it's like do you, you don't want to start out with just a walk and talk because who cares about that right they're like hook. oh yeah you're so what you're huffing and puffing and you're carrying a pack poor you you're out in the woods just shut up and deal yeah, that's with your it, bad right? decision yeah. right <laughs> yeah. whereas um i'm like okay do i have enough cool shots to actually do a cool intro for every video that we do you know right. so you know do you need 10 10 you know pretty awesome shots that people are like wow i never saw that before or, or that was shot a little bit differently and that's kind of cool or I don't know. I think any year past it would have been super easy to do just because there's a lot more um, and more target-rich environment. But this year it's going to be a little bit tougher, but I think we'll be able to do it. I think we'll be able to. You know, I think we can do um, – like I think we could get a whole YouTube video out of just this GoPro thing. And then we'll be able to use some of this footage to help finish the one that we started with the three ways to use a GoPro in the woods or for wildlife. So um, Yeah, because we got a bear – my parents had a bear, so I have a, a GoPro set up up there. Oh, good. It, again, it happened at night, and oh, nothing. Yeah. So, yeah. And it was a big old sow. She was probably 350, 400 pounds. She was huge. That's awesome. But, well, and that's one thing we've been running into a lot is uh, the other day we were sitting there just glassing, and there was a black bear up behind us, and there were two brown bears on the other side of the valley across from us. So mm. there are bears around, and it, the chances of getting a bear on one of these GoPros is – it's, it's the potentials there. I don't know if it'll happen, but that could be kind of cool too. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So what's up for you next? I mean, are you doing, um, me? Yeah. This next week. Oh goodness. I have two video shoots and one portrait job. The portrait jobs are just soul sucking work for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, but it pays the bills yeah. and, Oddly enough, like I'm pretty good at it is what I'm learning. Uh, like every you know portrait- what you are, and everybody needs to know this, is you are a people person. And I think you haven't, you obviously have the talent behind the camera, right? But just having that people perspective and just that whole ability to bring the, the anxiety way down 
and just have a good time with it. I think that's where your success is at is you're just able to make people feel really comfortable. Oh, yeah. And it like, just makes yeah. it so much easier. Yesterday at the shoot, like as I was leaving, the kids are like giving me hugs and high fives. Right. I'm exactly. Like, oh, that's you. Guys. Like, <laughs> that is you. Yeah. So, well, and like what I'm learning with the pictures is there's so many people, they look good. Like when they edit their pictures, let me say that again. So when there's, what I'm finding is there's a lot of photographers that edit really well. But when it comes to like flesh tones, they manipulate the colors so much that it bothers me. Like I'm not a big person to change the skin tone, right? Like I'm brown. I want to remain brown. My wife is like very light skinned. Like that's how it looks. And every time we've hired a photographer, they just throw like the, what I call like the golden wheat field onto it, right? Where like the sun's in the corner and you're walking through a wheat field and everything's great. But what happens is it turns me like yellow because I have a very brown pigmentation in my skin, right? Which I'm so tan, by the way, right now, because I've been out in the sun, like, I don't know, four days a week, and I always forget suns sunscreen, so I'll probably have, like, sunspots at some point. But, yeah, it's I don't change those tones, and I think people are enjoying that from a portrait perspective. So I don't know. But, yeah, I have two video shoots and then one uh, one portrait one. But they're, like, not around Denver. One's in Longmont. The other one's in Firestone. Those are both the video ones. And then the portrait one's down in the, the Springs. So I'm going to have to buy a beater. Yeah, for sure. Do that. But I mean, you're just a, a huge success story for the last year of going from oh, yeah, not I a lot of stuff to nothing. now you're just like two to three jobs every week, which is amazing. It's been tough, though. Like this year alone... Well, not this year. So on a 12-month, if we start now till next year, I have around $25,000 budgeted for just advertising. And so it's not – you just don't start a business and say, like, I'm going to go be a videographer or photographer, and the next day you're hired. Like, it's a very – I didn't get hired consistently until June, really. Otherwise, right. I was doing, like, little one-off jobs. And then all of a sudden, it was just every week – it was just one after another and I've been turning down jobs just cause I can't, I can't do three video jobs a week. It's too much on it cause I'm editing everything as well. Right. And I could ramp up and I could start bringing on an editor, which I will after I learn what I need to on the editing side. I'm actually, when you edit your stuff and we've talked about this before, Michael, when you edit your own stuff that you shoot, you learn where you're deficient. And if you want to know how bad you are at video, go edit your own work and you'll, you'll learn like, oh, I didn't get any wides or, oh, I didn't get any medium shots. I just got wides and tights. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, I need to do more of that. And sometimes you don't have time for it because like this last gig, they were like, you have two hours, but you need to do an interview. Well, interviews take 60 minutes and then they wanted drone work. And so I had to get drone work and B-roll done in like 40 minutes after we had packed up stuff. And it was just a freaking blur. But mm -hmm we did it because I had the drone guy going while I was inside. And then I handed him the gimbal when he was like, okay, I'm done with the battery. And I was like, that's fine. And I handed him the gimbal and I was like, all right, you go do the inside that that way I get a different perspective on it. And he unfortunately failed at that because he didn't know how to run autofocus. And so it's just like blurry half the time, <laughs> but <laughs> it's fine. That's a, a whole nother thing of hiring. <laughs> It's so hard to find good people right now. I've been well, through multiple different people. Because there's one guy, Travis, 
but he was on vacation for this shoot. He was in right. Austria. Otherwise, I would have like he was a no brainer, right? Because he knows how to shoot and he knows how to edit. But he was off having a good time in Austria, and so I had to find a different person, and it's just not good. not not good. But I think you're so spot on with the whole. If you want to improve your shooting, try to edit your stuff. Totally. Because yeah. once you and I, I can tell you, I've been doing this for a lot of years. I still, I need to go. I need to constantly look at my stuff, and I don't do it enough these days. I, you know, take it for granted. But just the other night when I was trying to put these YouTube things together, I'm like, you know what? I keep talking about how beautiful it is, and I haven't taken the time to shoot one scenic shot of just beautiful color or whatever. And it's just that whole thing is it's not that I can't do it. It's not that, you know, you just get so wrapped up and you're so focused on, oh, I just got to get this really cool thing of these moose or whatever. You just pass it by. And then there's a time where you do have time to do it. Just do it. Eric's actually been really good at it. I've been watching him and he'll take the downtime to shoot a time-lapse where, you know, you, you got constant clouds moving through the mountains up here. And so he can just get a really cool time-lapse that'll, bridge a gap or make a transition that we need in a video and um but that therein lies the the beauty of the fx6 too right he can just click on a little nd filter and bada boom bada bing i can't shoot the clouds because i don't i have to go put an nd on you have to throw a different filter in. turns into something and it's like oh, i don't then what happens if the moose does something and i need to go back to a clear filter and so um but definitely if you want to improve your video well, and something that's helped me, so audio is huge for these things. And I'll go on the set, and while I'm setting up, I'll just close my eyes for 30 seconds to a minute and just listen, like, what am I hearing that I need to capture that's going to be part of this, right? And so I was at an ice cream shop, right? So there's the fan from the fridge. There's, like, the usually there's kids in ice cream shop, right? Like what should an ice cream shop sound like instead of just this dude sitting there talking? And it helps so much because then you start thinking about, oh, I need to also get like the fridge with the cakes in it, uh, whatever they're sitting at eating, like the plastic spoons and all of a sudden, like in the woods, right? Like you talked about rain. Where's the rain collecting on the foliage? What does it sound like against a leaf? Like, what does it sound like when you brush up against a, a piece of grass that's wet along your like pants? And it, there's so much. And it, you could spend years filming it, recording it, and it still wouldn't have everything. It's oh, you're exactly right. Yeah, I, a lot of times I find myself pulling my phone out and just putting on the voice recorder, and I'll just, you know, if you hear a, a moose whining or something, you hit record. If you don't get it at least you tried if you get it then yeah you have that extra little bonus that right. just brings that video to life well like that so we have the american dipper that we're still working on right because mm -hmm. there's one more sequence that maybe will happen later it sounds like but you guys got that call right by yep. just going back out there and and that was that you eric that got that no it was another friend oh that was raymundo yep yeah, okay. he got it. And he just, I mean, totally by luck. I mean, that guy just lucked right into it. Awesome. Not, you know, uh, we could start a whole story with that <laughs> right, too. But, right. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're, uh, hopefully that's what we're going to do in this podcast though, is <clears throat> all these little trials and tribulations and things we deal with all the time. Um, just share that 
stuff. And, you know, those times when I get back to Denver, I'm sure I'll be working a lot with Brandon. You know, we're going to Florida to do a shoot in October and then I'm sure he'll have something that I'll help him with. And any of that stuff that we do, we'll just be able to share on the ones that we don't have to sign an NDA. We can just share those things that we run up against and hopefully it's a learning opportunity as much as it is entertaining. Right. <laughs> it's funny after it happens, after you like deliver it, it's not so fun when it's happening. On <laughs> no, it's location. stressful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very stressful. Yeah. Okay. All right, y'all. Well, I think, um, for a first podcast, this has been pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. Let us know. Survived it. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to put do this visually. We're going to do it audibly, right? So you're going to see it on Spotify, everywhere a podcast is. But then we're yep. also going to drop it visually on YouTube. Yep. So let us know in the comments what you think, if there's anything we should cover that we haven't covered, anything that you liked, anything you hated. That really helps us out. And, then, and just let it play through, even if you don't watch it. Just hit play on your TV at home and just when you go to work, just play them all for us. Yeah. Just everything. We have you for that. You know how you can go on your TV and you can go to a channel and you just hit play all? For all my, peop all my peeps that I know that have YouTube channels, when I leave for the day, I might just set my, my uh, Amazon, whatever, fire stick. I'll just go to YouTube. I'll hit, I like Moose Man. I'll go to play all and just let them. I did it on your channel, Brandon. I would just hit play all. Put it on for the pets. Dogs yeah. love truth and legend. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs>